Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Brett Sokol. Brett is a journalist based in Miami Beach, where he's the arts editor at Ocean Drive Magazine and a contributing writer on art and culture for the New York Times. He's also the co-founder of Letter 16 Press, a nonprofit publishing house focused on the intersection of photojournalism and art. The latest Letter 16 Press book is Shtetl in the Sun, Andy Sweet, South Beach. 1977 to 1980, a vivid photographic portrait of the then-thriving and now-vanished Jewish community of retirees that existed on South Beach during the late 1970s, a time when Yiddish could be heard in the streets there as often as English. Welcome, Brett. It's great to be here. Well, great to have you here on the Schmooze to talk about Andy Sweet's work. Um, So an exhibit of his photographs, a Shtetl in the Sun is here on exhibit at the Yiddish Book Center in our Breckner Gallery, and actually it's such a large body of work, it kind of spans two galleries. Um, So I'm glad you could come in and and talk about Andy. We should say that Andy, unfortunately, um, was murdered and died very young, so um, thank you for coming in and, and helping to get his work out there and a little bit more known about him as a photographer. That's, that's really what this book is all about, about uh, getting these photos out before fresh eyes and really helping to correct some historical myths and fill back in the historical picture of Jewish culture, uh, particularly on South Beach in the late 1970s. So how did you find your way to his work? Well, I should say that uh, the mission of Letter 16 Press is to really find that sweet spot, pardon the pun, between photojournalism and art. We do photo books that really try to hit both of those bases, that collect Miami photographers whose work stands on its own as art, as, as simply gorgeous or moving images. But we're also looking for photos that can also work as photojournalism, that tell a really important story at the same time. And Andy Sweet's work really hits on both those fronts. Uh, They're gorgeous images. They're by turns poignant, moving, sometimes laugh-out-loud funny. But they also tell this really important story about the Jewish community in Miami Beach during this time period. And as soon as as I saw them, uh, I was immediately struck in the same way that so many people have when they see them and thought, this needs to be the next project for Letter 16 Press. Um, Andy's negatives uh, were all gone. They were lost, tragically, by the storage company that was um, trusted with taking care of them. Uh, But his sister had uh, held on to test prints that he had made back in the late 1970s, and uh, years and years later, they were taken out, and um, her name is Ellen Sweet Moss, and she and her um, husband, Stan Hughes, you know, took a fresh look at them, and Stan is a really, really accomplished uh, archivist and uh, a photo restorer, and he spent years going over them, painstakingly restoring faded colors, um, and different issues with the prints, because, again, these were test prints. They were never meant to be the finished versions, but he took a lot of time to get them right back to where they were supposed to be so they look as if they are brand new out of the dark room that Andy made them in back in, in 77, 78, 79. Uh, and they had um, been showing them to people around the art community in Miami, uh, and people had taken an interest in them. They'd put a couple of them online to... to, to 
pique interest in folks, and, and we saw them, and again, we were just absolutely bowled over that this, this is a book. This is more than just the, a couple posts online. This needs the hardcover treatment uh, to do justice to the work, and again, to really tell this important story that needs to be told. Well, the, yeah, as you say, when you talk about the mission of Letter 16, yeah, it's a perfect marriage. <laughs> it's very apparent. I mean, his work is so much in the tradition of reportage, street photography. I believe Mary Ellen Mark worked with him a little bit? Yes. Uh, Mary Ellen Mark came down herself to Miami Beach to do some shooting and met Andy, and Andy took her around South Beach, sort of showing her some of the different landmarks, giving her the lay of the land. And she was a uh, she was pretty accomplished by this point already. Um, and he was just starting out in his career, so she was a big influence on him. And there's some photos that he took of Mary Ellen Mark that are in the book, Shtetl mm-hmm. and the Sun. I'll also add that uh, for folks listening along at home, if you want to see some of these images right now, uh, obviously you need to go to the Yiddish Book Center and <laughs> see the <laughs> exhibition of his work there. But uh, you can also go online to our website, which is Letter 16 Press. That's Letter 16 Press. Uh, and if you click on um, under shop and then on Andy Sweet, there's a, we're a nonprofit. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, and we created uh, a series of prints drawn from the book uh, to help raise funds for our next book. And you can see images of these photos all up on our website there. So it'll give you some idea of what life was like from day to day back in the late 70s on South Beach. So it's interesting. I read that. He took on this project. I think I can call it a project, or it's a body of work that he did. Sure. Um, following college, and he really had went to South Beach with the mission of kind of chronicling, documenting this time in South Beach, which we now look back on as something that would have been lost without these. Exactly. Well, he, first of all, he grew up in Miami Beach. He was a native, but I think like so many people – you don't necessarily appreciate your own surroundings until you travel far from it. And so he went off to college, uh, and then he went off. He got very serious about photography. And he and Gary Monroe, who was another photographer who was a friend of his, both went together to the University of Colorado at Boulder and got their MFAs in photography. And while he was there, he and Gary both decided that as soon as they graduated, they were going to return back to Miami Beach and document the Jewish community there because they just knew, they knew that this was not going to last. And not only was no one else documenting it, no one was taking it seriously. And and again, this speaks to why this book is important historically, why Andy's photos are so important, because there has been this, it's really a, it's, it's a false myth that's grown up around what South Beach was like at this time. And I can say, I subscribed to this myth when I was growing up. I grew up in New York, uh, and I came of age in the 80s and 90s, and I think if, if Miami Beach came up and people talked about it, they would say, well, look, we know what Miami Beach looked like in the 50s and 60s. There was a huge tourism boom. There was the Rat Pack, uh, you know, hanging around at, at Miami Beach hotels. It was the glory days of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. And then, of course, Jackie Gleason was shooting his, his variety TV show in Miami Beach. And we know what the 80s looked like in Miami Beach. It was a time when uh, things got, frankly, very dangerous. It became a little hard to distinguish between Miami Vice, the TV show, and Miami Vice, the day-to-day reality that was unfolding in the city. 
Uh, and then we know what the 90s looked like in Miami. It's really a time of, of, renaiss- of a renaissance in Miami and what became essentially the American Riviera with glitz and glamour to spare. And it seems to just get uh, increasingly so uh, every day. But that period in between the 1970s is something that still remains a little blurry. It doesn't get talked about much, and when it does, it's usually in a very derogatory fashion. You know, people will refer to that period with an eye roll, or the, the, the joke was always, oh, Miami Beach in the 70s was the Yiddish-speaking section of God's waiting room, and I'm as guilty of, of that impression as anybody else. But when you see these photos, you realize that it was the opposite of that that this was not a community of people waiting around to die. This was a community filled with life. And that's what comes through in these photos again and again, is that this was a community filled with life and living it out in public day after day. These were people who still had plenty of living, loving, laughing to do. And you, when you look at these photos, you see a, an incredible amount of vibrancy and dynamism Sometimes people are hanging out, sometimes they're dancing, they're playing music, they're, they're arguing, they're engaged. It's really a community full of life, and, and that's what needs to be stressed here, and that's what's important in correcting the historical record, and, and that is exactly what Andy's photos do. Um, they are incredibly colorful. They capture both the color of the community and the literal color of what Miami Beach looked like at this time, with the, the neons in the sky seem to match the neon colors on all the Art Deco buildings, which thankfully still remain. So if you go down to South Beach today, the buildings, many of them, will look exactly the same as they are in the book. It's just that the age, average age of the occupants has dropped by about 50 years. <laughs> um, you use the word seriously, and I, I think his work could easily sort of veer off in the direction of kitsch, or or there could be something wrong about his being the observer as the photographer, mm-hmm. but he's not. He, there is such intimacy and such respect, and it, it's, it shows through in all of the images. I mean, he captures people in such optimistic ways, and, and you can tell that they are appreciative of having their photo taken, mm-hmm. and he's appreciative of capturing what they're all about, that personality, that sense of life and color, as you say. And I, I think it's just, it, it's really great because you could stereotype what he may have been able to find, but he doesn't do that in any way. Absolutely not. And I think the key is that he grew up here in Miami Beach, and he knew this community. And so there's a level of intimacy that's established um, in the sense that he, he loved these people. He loved spending time with them. And he would go out every day uh, and shoot all around South Beach looking for great shots. And the people there were very comfortable with him because he understood him. They understood him. Uh, it was almost as if their grandson was coming to visit them. He just happened to have a camera around his neck. And one of the things that you hear from people again and again who knew him during this time was how just happy and full of life he was. And there's, you know, there's a phrase uh, Lauren Groff uh, came up with. She wrote this beautiful essay that's collected in our book that introduces all the photos. And she said that the best photos that Andy shot, uh, they display this loop of generosity where he is so filled with warmth 
that it becomes infectious, that the person being photographed uh, absorbs this warmth and reflects it back on the lens, which then goes into the photo, that we in turn, as, as the viewer, are filled with warmth again by seeing this. And it's really true. That really does come through in the best of his photos, that he deeply cared about this community, and he wanted to capture it. He thought it was important because he just somehow knew that it wasn't going to last, which people didn't necessarily think at the time. I mean, people moved down to Miami Beach to start the next chapter in their lives. This was, this was a big community. I think it's worth saying there were about 20,000 Jewish people who were packed into roughly uh, two square miles at the southern tip of Miami Beach, colloquially called South Beach. It was a, a, a thriving community at the time. It was filled with you know, lots of New York transplants, uh, a, a lot of Holocaust survivors, all of whom moved there to start the next chapter in their lives. And you mentioned the buildings, the architecture. I also found that fascinating because we see the architecture in play. That's probably the wrong way. But, I mean, it, it is an aspect of everybody's lives. It's not there because we're looking at it and saying, wow, these are great um, examples of Art Deco and let's photograph them on their own. They're photographed in the context of a landscape that includes all of these people who inhabit them, who walk by them. And it's, again, something that I feel like it's so great to see them in that context because that's what they were built for. Right. I, again, it's, you, know, you, you see a lot of these Art Deco hotels now, and, and they are very iconic. They, they, are, they create the South Beach skyline, uh, particularly along Ocean Drive, which faces uh, the Atlantic Ocean, that people automatically associate with Miami Beach. And many of them are very, very expensive to stay in today. But at the time, in the late 70s, they were very cheap. That's why people moved there. Um, the, the community that lived on Miami Beach was very much a working class and lower middle class community. Um, if you were very wealthy, and you were a, a Jewish retiree, you did not move to Miami Beach at that time. Um, there were other communities a little farther up the South Florida coast that people moved to. You could get a, a larger, more expensive uh, condo. But um, the people that moved there, if they were on a fixed budget, you know, had a lot of retired civil servants and teachers who moved down, and you could get a, a, a you know, hotel room, which essentially you would you know, live in as an apartment, right on the beach there. Um, looking out at the water uh, in, in these these hotels, and, and people, you hear the phrase, the porch sitters, a lot. So the porches of these hotels essentially became public living rooms. And there's lots of photos that you'll see in the book of, of lots of people sitting out on these porches, talking to each other, taking in the scene, um, and, and in turn becoming part of the scene. And these these very much were these were the places that they lived. They they were they were beloved architectural objects, but not in the sense of being precious art objects, but just as these are very special places, there's nothing else like them anywhere else, and they're affordable. Um, and, and it's worth noting that at the time, that view was not widely held by uh, real estate developers, many of whom were desperate to knock these buildings down. They were literally salivating at the opportunity to knock down all of these Art Deco structures and put up much, much more modern hotels. Uh, if you go back and you look at the time period, the developers and the people uh, they were working with would talk about, oh, these Art Deco hotels are so kitschy and they're not the modern image we want from Miami Beach. 
Um, and fortunately, a lot of people in that community became activists, rallied around saving them, and passed very strong historical protection laws, excuse me, um, historic preservation laws that uh, forbid developers from knocking down these Art Deco hotels in the core of South Beach. And that's why they're all still there. They will cost you a lot more money to stay in tonight than uh, people were paying back in, in 1977 and 1978. But the hotels are all still there. And again, they still look almost exactly the same as they did back in the late 70s, which you'll see in these photos. You could literally take this book and sort of walk around with a map and find the actual same hotels. A lot of them still have the same names on them. But again, the, the people inside uh, are different. It's a lot of weekend warriors uh, hitting South Beach. Uh, as opposed to people who are living there year-round. And he presents them in a very celebratory way as well, I think. They become sort of hero images, or heroes in an image as well, the buildings. Um, the, the other question I have is, um, so this work was never exhibited within his lifetime. There were actually some small exhibitions mm. in Miami uh, at the time. Uh, he didn't really get very much attention um, outside of Miami, but I think a lot of that is just because, unfortunately, he, um, he was killed in 1982, really when his career was just starting. I mean, he was, he was so young. It's really tragic to think about how much more he could have done, um, not just with South Beach, but any and everything that caught his eye. Uh, he certainly, that was the idea, was to document South Beach and then, in fact, they got a, 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 an NEA grant, a National Endowment for the Arts grant, to help, uh, help uh, Andy and Gary go out every day, take these photos. And then the idea was that they would create uh, exhibitions and a book based on this so that everybody everywhere around the country and around the world would see, would see this work. So it's, it's gratifying for us that, um, you know, I wish all of this would have come out much, much sooner when he was still alive. But it's out there now, and people can see it. Did the subjects of his photos see the work? Do you know if they were? Yeah. <laughs> um, then yes, and now. So here's uh, people at the time did see did see some of the work and they loved it. Um, unfortunately, Andy did not write people's names down when he because he was going out and shooting a lot every day. And when he found a great shot, he'd go up and he might talk to people and he'd snap take the snap snapshot and then he'd move on. So he wasn't keeping meticulous notes over, okay, this is the person who, uh, you know, I shot on this particular day of the exact location. So we had to do a lot of sleuthing in many cases to figure out, okay, we've nailed down the date, we've nailed down this particular spot, and in some cases if we couldn't see the name of a hotel. Um, but, you know, for a lot of these photos, we weren't necessarily sure of exactly who was in it. Uh, and we showed the photos around to a lot of folks, and, and we really weren't able to find out a lot. And we figured, well, you know, once this book comes out, at that point, people will be able to see it, and, and hopefully we'll hear from people. And we have definitely been hearing from a lot of people who, you know, say, oh, my God, that's Aunt Zelda. <laughs> What's going on there? How did this happen? Uh, it's so wonderful that, that, that there's this photo of her. Um, and we also have, you know, there's a particular photo in the book now where we have had uh, five different sets of people, none of whom know each other, are all convinced that that is a member of their family. <laughs> and we, we really don't want to be the arbiter of the, the, the debate there over, well, whose family was she really a part of? So we just say, look, you know, it's a great photo. This woman is iconic for us. She could be everyone's mother. And if, 
your mother lived on South Beach in 1979, she definitely could have been your mother. But please don't ask us to arbitrate. We can lay claim to anybody we want in the photographs. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, yeah, I, I do have to wonder what what he would have gone on to um, do. He, the photographs are wonderful, and I guess I'd also have to ask you, do you have a favorite? Or is there one that you feel is so defining of his work? Oh, you know, I go back and forth. But one of, one of the things that I really love about a lot of the photos in the book is how the people are filled with this vivaciousness. And, and, and you know, I live on Miami Beach now, and I've been there you know, for a number of years. Um, and Miami Beach is very much a place where youth reigns supreme, even more so than in the rest of the culture at large. And I think there's, you know, I, I don't need to spell it out, but that's not always to the betterment of our culture, this obsession with youth, 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 to the point where older people get ignored and sometimes erased from the culture. And what comes through in these photos is all of these older people who had a complete lack of self-consciousness about enjoying the weather, about essentially stripping down the bathing suits and being out in public, about bearing flesh in public in a way that is really frowned upon today. You, know, you just don't see a lot of older people in very skimpy clothing. And if it happens, they get made fun of. And that's what comes through in these photos is just the opposite of that. People were really, really comfortable in their own skin and just enjoying their bodies and that's the reason why they moved out of the cold to be down on south beach to enjoy the tropical weather to enjoy each other's company and that's what what comes through in a lot of these photos and it's why there's so much fun to see well thank you so much for joining us um thank you for the book it's which is just fabulous um it's uh i do encourage everybody to go look online um and why don't you give the yes, URL me, again? I will plug, I will okay, plug the go. website one more okay. time if folks want to uh, uh, order the book uh, and take a look at some of these photos as well. They can go to our website, which is letter16press.com. That's letter, the number 16, press.com. And uh, for those of you who are in the neighborhood, um, it won't be as sunny and warm right now, but come visit <laughs> Shtetl in the Sun. It'll warm you right up. <laughs> They're fabulous. Yeah. Definitely go. Um, so the exhibit is here at the Yiddish Book Center through March 2020. The book is also available here in our museum store. Um, thank you again, Brett, for telling Andy's story beautifully in the book as well as here today. Thanks for having me on the schmooze. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Thank you.